Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk all about your strengths. Listen, I don't care who you are or where you are at in your career, you have so much value to offer the world and an incredible amount of potential based on your gifts. You have the chance to step into a role that fits you, fulfills you, a role that you love, and one that you can thrive in. If any of that stuff interests you, and it should, then you need to learn from this episode where we tap into the concept of professional strengths. So today I brought on a legendary individual by the name of Chris Holmes. Chris is an executive recruiter and partner at O'Connell Group, a leading executive search firm in consumer marketing and market research. With more than 25 years of experience, she's also a member of the Pinnacle Society, the premium consortium of industry-leading recruiters in North America. Chris has placed over 1,000 candidates in new jobs. She's also counseled more than 20,000 others in all stages of their careers in setting goals and leveraging their strengths. Before shifting to recruiting, Chris worked for a decade in consumer marketing with major corporations like Johnson & Johnson, Kraft Foods, and Ralston Purina. She's a graduate of Tufts University and has had an MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern. So as you can see, Chris is just going to be amazing, and this episode's really going to help you become the best professional version of yourself. So let's launch right into it with our 163rd episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Chris, how are you doing today? I am great, Chris. How are you? Great. It's awesome to have you on the show. And I just wanted to kick it off by asking you why it is so darn important to figure out what our strengths are. Chris, that is a fabulous question. And I have personal experience with that, but I've also, as you said, talked to over 20,000 people and counseled them. And through my own experience, I worked in business for 13 years, and it wasn't until I flipped over to recruiting that it felt like breathing. It felt natural. It was almost easy. And I almost said, I can't believe they're paying me for this because it's so much fun and it's so natural. And the reason that happened was recruiting really capitalizes on my strengths, on my ability to work with people and counsel them and actively listen. And as I thought back to my career in corporate America, where you'd go into reviews and they would say, you're great at this, this, and this. Now let's talk about your areas that aren't as strong. Let's talk about your weaknesses, that they really have it back, that the core of being successful in your career is figuring out what your innate strengths are and figuring out how to leverage them. And when you do that, it's the one-two punch. You're going to be not only really happy, but you're going to be incredibly successful because you're going to be able to deliver phenomenal goals. I love that answer because once you tap into the strengths, and I think knowing what the strengths are, completely different ballgame, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I think once you do figure out what the strengths are, it just makes work so much more fun. And it makes it more, I would say, positive experience for you and the people around you for the people you're serving within your company. So I want to go back to your switch from marketing to recruiting, though, because that's so interesting. I know we have a lot of career transitioners on the podcast, but what was your thought process in making that switch in your career? Yeah, it's a great question. So 
I went to Kellogg Business School, amazing, and I loved it there. And I went into brand marketing from there, which I was really excited about. And I was wonderful at certain aspects of the role. I could connect with people. My support functions loved me. I had support in the organization. But when it came to some of the analytical elements, they just didn't come as naturally and they were a little uncomfortable. So I had been at three or four companies. My company was sold and in St. Louis, where I live. And I interviewed and had some offers to continue in marketing. But as I looked at the director role, which would be my next role, the director role is a wonderful role, but it really shifts to more analytics, more politics, more budgeting and forecasting, all those things that were not as natural. So I happened to call my favorite recruiter, Brian O'Connell, and say, okay, this is the situation and we want to stay in St. Louis to raise our family, get me a job here. And he threw out, come work for me, which really took me back because he was in Connecticut and I was in St. Louis and I wasn't moving, but I had never really thought about it. He said, well, let me think about it. And the things I did were first, Chris, I sat down and I wrote out lists of what are the things I love and what are the things I hate of any role that I had had previously. And then I shrunk them down to the top 10. And what was very obvious was all the things that I loved were the people part, the interactions, being part of a team. And the things I didn't love were some of those other nuts and bolts that didn't come as easily to me. The other thing I did is I talked to mentors and I said, I'm thinking about this, what do you think? And to a T, they said, I think you would really enjoy it. I think you'd be great at it. And if you go do it for a year and find out you're not good and you don't love it, you can come back and say you built your sales skills, but you won't have been too far removed from marketing that you can't return. Okay. So there was some element of transferable skill there. Yeah, there was. And so I decided to try it. You know, I kind of felt like I didn't have anything to lose. And this sounds really trite, but from day one, it was like, this is easy. I mean, it was literally picking up the phone and talking to people, which I love doing. And you have been thriving in that role ever since. I was just so impressed by your bio and, and your, your level of experience and what you've done. So um, I think that's a great testament to what is possible by tapping into your strengths. And so and I'll be open and honest right now in front of you and, and listeners and tell you that right now, this episode for me could not have come at a better time because right now, you know, our business is in a, a really intense position of scaling right now. So we're, we're looking to um, change and improve our organization. And even my role as someone who is founded the company, someone who is in charge of the company, even those things that I'm doing on a daily basis are changing. And so right now, I'm looking to tap into my own strengths and look really hard at what I'm good at, maybe what I'm not so good at, and help me to determine exactly what you know, I can do to help drive the company forward on a day-to-day basis. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I'm really excited to get into maybe some things we can do to find out what our strengths are. So that's how I feel. That's awesome. And I think it's something everybody can do. One thing about strengths that I do want to mention, there are certain weaknesses that are developmental, that just are things you've never touched. And it's not that you couldn't convert those to a strength. It's like you haven't experienced them. 
there are other strengths that are innate and part of you and just things you're not as good at. No matter how hard you work them, you're not going to grow that muscle a lot. And so those are the weaknesses we're really talking about now versus the developmental. Okay. Like, it's so interesting. It's like, if you're not good at something, do you you just delegate it out to someone else? Or do you focus on getting better is always a question I've had in my mind. So what do you think about that one? I think it's a great question. It ties into what I said. So like, I work in marketing. So somebody maybe has never worked on advertising. It doesn't mean advertising is a weakness. It means they don't know how to do it. They don't know the nuts and bolts but they have the creative mindset and the consumer orientation to be able to excel at it once they're trained. So that is one of those developmental ones. The other side would be somebody who is in market research. Their job is to really do a deep dive into data, be able to extrapolate the key points and connect the dots. Some people's minds work really well that way. And some people don't. If you think about it, some people are good in algebra and some people are good in geometry because their mind works that way. Another, Chris, really great visual for this one and thought process because I'm really into visuals is think about a kid in high school who's trying to figure out what sport they should play. And maybe they start off trying to follow in a sibling's footsteps and they play football and baseball but they're not great because they don't have the hand-eye coordination and they're a bench warmer because their strengths don't align with those roles. But all of a sudden, they somebody says, come play water polo or come do cross country. And they realize they're really great at those because they have a long wingspan and they're a really great endurance athlete and they're willing to put in the time and they shift over and all of a sudden they're a superstar there. So that's a great visual to help people understand what a difference it can make. Do you want to be a superstar or do you want to be a bench warm? I love that so much. Let's, I think this is the perfect transition here. I want to talk about discussing the ways to figure out our strengths. We talked about five different ways to do that. I'll have you kick it off with what you think should be number one here as part of our discussion. Yeah. So there are five different ways that I believe you can do it and they're not hard, but they are important because they may give you different perspectives. So the first one is to talk to family who have seen you grow up and know what you're good at and what you're not good at, or coaches or teachers. And just to go that to them and say, hey, I'm really trying to hone in on what my innate strengths are. What are the things you think I'm great at? Because I want to use that information as I think about my life and my career going forward. And those folks are going to be really excited to sit down with you and have very honest conversations of saying, Joe, you're a team leader. You can, you know, rally the troops. When we are losing, you are the person I look to, to inspire people. And that's, that is your strength. So that is, I think the first way, the easiest way, the closest in and the most intimate way to start getting an idea. So just an everyday conversation, say, hey, can I I talk to you for a second about something about my career? Yeah. And like I said, they know you. And so they're not going to have to say, give me a day or two to think about it. They're going to know off the top of their heads. Well, it's a great question. And this is where I've seen you shine. Yes. I love that. I'm thinking about people I would ask in my own life. I think, you know, my brother's probably a good one because he's actually in the company with me. But maybe I'll ask him and possibly someone else um, in my family there. 
I just I think that's so good because like a lot of the times we get so caught in our own thoughts and we think, you know, we're just so central because that's who we spend the most time with every day. And like we don't get the perspective of other people who might see something new. So I just think that's so genius. And Chris, you and I talked about this before, but the other thing is sometimes with families, you know how families are. Everybody's a doctor. Everybody's a lawyer. This is what we do. And sometimes people get on those expectation boats, as I call them, because they think they're supposed to. It's what the family does. And everybody is wired differently. You're in the same family. It doesn't mean your brain works the same. And that's why it's so important to not just go along with the flow, but figure out who you are and what your strengths are so you can be successful and happy long. Awesome. I love it. So speaking with family, friends, number one, what's number two? Yes. So number two, I mentioned previously about what I did when I decided to shift to recruiting and give that a try. It's really making the list. So think about it. If this is for a student or a young professional, it doesn't necessarily just have to be at work. But it could be at school when you worked on projects. If you were on a team, it could be the role you had on the team. But making two lists, one of all the things you've loved to do, brain dump, don't even think about it. Second one is what are the things that you really dislike doing? Write them down, put them away for a day or two, and then bring them back out and look at them. And on each sheet, pull out the top five or 10, whatever number feels right to you and put the loves and hates on one piece of paper. And those loves and hates likely are there because the loves tie into your strengths. Those are the things that come more naturally that you're really good at. So it's fun. And the things you really dislike are the things that probably you dislike because you're just not as good at them and maybe never will be. And so it's kind of like a North Star for as you're looking for roles, you want to find a lot more of those loves than those hates, but it also may give you and crystallize your strength. Yes. And I want to ask like kind of a, I guess this is related, but how do we differentiate between the things that we love and hate versus the things that we're good at or not so good at? Because in my mind, at least I feel like strengths and weaknesses are different than things you truly enjoy doing versus hate doing. Like I love playing basketball, but I suck at it. So (laughs) I would never say, hey, I need to be, you know, I think I need to play basketball for, you know, whatever team. Right. Okay. So you could still put love playing basketball, but then you have to think about why do you love it? Is it because you're great? No. Is it because you love being with your teammates and that camaraderie? Is it because you love that exercise and just getting out and competing? You know, what are the reasons you love basketball? It's not because you're going to go be, an, you know, player on an on a NBA team, but there are other things behind that, that you have to peel the onion, as I say, to figure out why do you love doing that? Thank you for that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. So we have connecting with family or friends to get their insight, making a list with, I think, coming up with your five and five. What is number three? Number three, if you're in school or out of school. Most schools have a career center. And if you're out of school, an alumni office that you can reach out to. And many of these are really good and they have tools, they have assessments, they can help you kind of think through and do some work 
that may help you further crystallize what are your strengths and what are career areas you might go into. So it's a little, this one's a little more scientific. So I might take some tests and things like that. You could, or, you know, they could just ask you questions and probe because oftentimes you could work with a coach who can just probe and kind of help you realize some things. Okay. I like that one. And I'm comparing it to number one, which is family and friends, but that one's completely like unbiased. Like this person really doesn't know you. So they may not ask some leading questions or questions that are a little bit too specific. So, you know, that makes sense. And if I lucky enough to have like a college I went to, or, you know, one of these organizations, I'd say that might be worth doing uh, myself there. The other thing that you could do that ties into this one is if you have networked, you know, or you've networked in your industry, and there are people who are, you know, very successful and more seasoned than you, you could also talk to them and really, you know, tell them, the roles you've had and what you've loved and ask them where they think you might be more effective in the future. So that's another one. It's kind of a little bit of a twist. Networking, mentoring, all those folks want you to be successful. I think that makes a lot of sense. I need to get a mentor. I mean, I have people who I've been tapped into, but I've had podcast guest after podcast guest talk about the importance of a mentor. And I think it's so important. I have those people in my life. I just need to reconnect with them. So I think that's a good point. If you, you know, you don't just have to have one mentor, you can have multiple. But I know as I mentor people, it's very satisfying to see them to succeed, to help be a resource, to help them think through their career and watch them flourish. So those folks that you connect with, they're excited about doing it and really paying it forward because somebody has done it on the other end for them. Awesome. Okay, cool. So we have a nice running list so far. And going back to what you said, just to clarify, you said that you're not recommending to do all of these things, but you're giving them as sort of like a a tool belt for people to select from so they can choose whichever one makes the most sense for them. And it's not a bad thing. These are not really, they don't take that much time. So if you really want to dive deep into it, it's not a bad thing to do to check off multiple boxes and make sure they all concur. And you'll also know in your gut as you read things if they feel right. Okay, great. So what is number four? So number four is for folks who are out of college and started on their career. Obviously, I'm a recruiter, as Chris said, and I will be very honest and say there are many recruiters out there, some of whom um, are not great, but there are a lot of amazing recruiters out there in the industry. And so what I would tell you is talk to people more seasoned and ask them who their favorite recruiters are and start building a relationship. Because these folks, especially if they're experts in your industry, they are going to partner with you throughout your career, but they also can really help you hone in on long-term career based on where you've been successful and what your strengths are. So they can ask you about different roles and what did you like and where were you successful and what was most fun and where were you able to achieve the best goals and help you both crystallize your strengths, but also map out a future. I love talking with recruiters. I've had several on this podcast so far, and I think I would definitely highlight what you said in that last point. I think that's a great point. They know exactly what gets people hired and what, you know, they've seen how people thrive in certain roles. And they, I think that long term relationship can lead to something really special. 
conversely, I have heard, you know, going back to what you said about, you know, recruiter horror stories almost to where, you know, someone reaches out and then they never hear from that person again because they got ghosted or something like that. But many question would be, how do I find a good recruiter who could end up being a nice lifelong partner? And I think that's a great one. So Chris, I would tell you two different ways. One, as I said, talk to somebody more senior and talk to your boss, your boss's boss and say, I'm not looking to go anywhere, but talking to people I've heard having a great recruiter in your corner who's an expert in our industry is a smart career move. Who do you love? So asking them. The other thing you can do is, it sounds weird, but go to the internet. And so if it's marketing, I might say, marketing executive recruiter, and then go look at websites. Because if it is a really good website, what that says is it's a professional group, they've invested a lot of money, and they know what they're doing. And so I would do that as well. The other thing I would tell you is when you're finding a great recruiter, part of it is their expertise, but part of it is you connecting with them personally. In reality, you may have to kiss a few frogs. Before you find that one that you Love want it. in your corner true, long term. True. Yeah. I think people need to be, need be not afraid when it comes to reaching out to people. You're going to deal with some situations that are not ideal. You're going to deal with rejections, people ignoring you. But eventually, I think it will make it worth it in the long term. And like you said, you know, I've never thought about it like that, but I'm sure if you can find that one person to develop that relationship, that one recruiter to be long term with you. What a powerful thing, seriously. And it's very true. My own personal example is Brian O'Connell, who was the principal at our firm. He was my favorite recruiter for a decade and he never got a job. So he never made a penny off me. He referred me to the VP at Nestle Purina, where I was hired, even though they weren't working on the job because he had a personal relationship. He helped me think through my career. And then eventually he hired me brought me onto the O'Connell group, but he was, he really very quickly transcended being what I'll call a headhunter to a mentor and a dear friend that I really cherish. So that's the type of relationship that I try to have with my candidates. I truly care about their careers and want to help them succeed long-term. Absolutely. And I'm noticing, this is beautiful because I'm noticing a common theme between all of these different points that you've outlaid. It's like, Three out of four of these methods you've listed so far involve reaching out and connecting with the people in your life or other people who can give you that picture. Because I was thinking, I think I had kind of a sense of number two, what you said about kind of like making a list. And I'm a very list-oriented person. But I think by just connecting with that family member, connecting with your past organization, maybe the career center, these recruiters, I think you'll really get a well-rounded, good picture about what your strengths are. So I think that's so good. Thanks for bringing that to light. So Chris, what is number five? Number five is online assessments. And my example is, so I told you I shifted over to recruiting 25 years ago. And it was a great fit and innately loved it and was very successful. But it wasn't until a decade in that my boss had us take one of these assessments, Strengths Finders, and I realized why I'd made some of the decisions I had in the past and why marketing, I was great at some things and not others, because through Strength Finders, it came out that all of my innate strengths, my top five were woo and influence and connecting. And so what 
I love about these strengths, and there are two that I recommend. One is Strengths Finder, and that's been around longer, and it kind of asks you what you think are your strengths or what do you like doing, X or Y, and from there it pulls out your strengths. The other one is one that is called Use Science, and this is newer. They work a lot with high schools and with colleges and professionals, and this one they have you take, I believe, nine, you play nine different games. And through those games, they actually figure out how your brain is wired. And it's really cool. And it comes out with here are your strengths from how your brain is wired. And so both of these, what they do, if you take them early on in your career, instead of starting four, five, six rings out away from the bullseye, it really allows you to hone in on here are my innate strengths. And they both give you here's some places where you could leverage those really effectively. So you may be able to start two or three rings out and continue to move in. Um, A candidate of mine was sharing when he took one of these assessments, his words were, it was almost like they were reading my diary. He said, they, it was scary how well through these assessments, the results knew me. And, and he said it was really exciting and really helped me knock out some careers that I had been considering. And it, one thing, Chris, that we haven't talked about is there's something in college called FOMO, fear of missing out. When you watch your peers go to high paying, you know, fields like investment banking and finance and or they are going to top companies like Amazon and Google or whatever the top company, and you feel like I should be doing that. This helps you say, no, actually I shouldn't because those don't leverage my strengths and I'm not going to be happy or successful. I need to focus in these areas. It doesn't matter. What matters is, am I happy and am I set up for success? And that's the key. I love that. And thank you for saying that. I guarantee you there were people who I know who chose some of the firms that they worked at out of college because they were prestigious, like just like these high paying positions that just sounded really good. And they were they did sound really impressive just to say, but I'm telling you, if I went into any of those, I would that would be like me going to play basketball in the NBA right now because I I would just burn out. I'd be like, nope, not for me. So love that you said that. Okay. So you did not know this is coming, but I like to play this thing called lightning round where I ask podcast guests questions here, fun questions, and you have less than a minute to answer each one. So number one question for you, I'll make this applicable to this episode and you've kind of alluded it to already, but number one, what are your biggest strengths? My biggest strengths are, first of all, I am able to connect with people on the phone and not come across as a salesperson, but come across as a real person who wants to get to know them and wants to set them up for success. So I think in my field, that's really important. And I am a really good listener. I am able to connect the dots for people and help them pull together their interests, their passion. I'm also able to, and part of this is my credentials because I came from marketing and I went to Kellogg. I am able to transcend being a headhunter to a mentor where I can push back on people if I think they're going in the wrong path. And I can really, or if I think they're taking a job for the wrong reason, you know, I can tell them, hey, let's talk because I've built up that trust 
and they know I have the experience. Awesome. Not everyone has that, I can tell you from experience. So that's awesome. Great. Number two, somewhat unrelated, but you're a recruiter. So I have to ask this question. What is your number one piece of resume advice? Great question. So the first one is don't try to make it different or fancy. I keep on getting these resumes that people have tried to make themselves stand out because of the visuals and you're doing yourself a disservice. You want your resume to be clean and clear and concise, very readable for the person who is going to be reviewing it to see what companies have you worked at, what titles have you had, and what both things have you built skill sets and what have you delivered, meaning what achievements have you brought to the company. So those are the key things you want to make it consistent. The other thing is if you're applying online, which I will tell you is not a great way to apply because it's the lowest odds, but if it's the only way you can get to a job, you want to make sure whatever the job is looking for, you have those keywords on your resume or the key responsibilities because most of the companies today are using artificial intelligence to hone through those thousands of resumes. And the only way you'll get a real eyes to look at it is if you have the relevant skills there. I second all that. That is awesome. Great. Number three, what is your ultimate book recommendation? And if you can make it, we're going to tie back to your book itself. So it can't be your book. We're going to definitely cover that. But what is your favorite book that you'd recommend for job seekers? Well, this is... We can make it also like just business professionals because we have a lot of career warriors who are not looking for a job here. Yeah. So a book that I love is, I think it's called Drop in Your Bucket. And it's professional, but it's also personal. And the idea behind it is every single interaction that you have is either filling your bucket or taking away. And it goes, it's a two-way street. So what this book core message is, surround yourself both at work and on the personal front with people who will fill your bucket versus take away. And to me, kind of the core of happiness and fulfillment is to surround yourself on both fronts with the right type people. I love that. I wrote that down. I will look it up and I'll find that link as well and include that within the description. So Chris, you have been magnificent. We'll come back to you in a second here, but I wanted to hear to round off this episode, round off this content of this episode here. If you could tattoo one encouraging message for every single person in their career right now, what would that message be? Well, and I am going to do it, Chris, for right now, because we are in the middle of what I call biblical time. And the world has turned upside down right this moment. And what I would tell you is, while you want to go for your dream job, it's okay right now to be one or two or three rings out and continue to build your capabilities. So when we come out of these challenging times, you will have built your skill set. The other thing I will tell you is be productive somehow. For kids who are, you know, their school is going to be remote or they're taking a year gap year because they don't want to do a remote. Figure out how to be productive. Even if you're working at a Starbucks part-time, talk to family friends who own businesses and say, I'm not looking for money. I'm looking for experience. What can I do to help you out that can also build my experience? And I'll give you an example. A family friend 
of mine is a rising sophomore in college. Her internship blew up because of the pandemic. She decided to do a clothing drive. Everybody's cleaning out their closets during this time. They have all this downtime. They can't go anywhere. So she's doing a clothing drive of professional women's clothing to be able to donate to those in need. She's not getting paid for it, but she's getting amazing experience and it's showing her initiative and her creativity and her strategic thought process and all those great things. So it's going to build her resume, but it's also adding value to the world. So I would tell you again, just to pull it all together, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Continue to build and grow however you can. Continue to grow your experiences and to leverage in the future. Thank you so much. I think people needed to hear that. And I keep going back to it. I think it's a word that I've said, at least as a theme in the last 10 episodes, but just patience, I think really comes into that because, you know, sometimes, especially me, I'm very driven, sometimes to my detriment there. So, you know, I think not expecting things to be perfect now or not expecting things to be perfect tomorrow, I think is really important in that. And just it's a process and, and kind of slowly moving towards that, I think is part of it. So be productive too. Thanks also for saying that because, you know, how many job seekers I've talked to that are just focused on the fact that they don't have a job versus you know, filling that time meaningfully, in which I had I had a guy once who was very successful in the fact that he he lost his job. I think he was laid off. But what he did in between his job and the one that he got was he would go and mentor. He'd seek out individuals to mentor and help in any way that he could by giving them, you know, advice because he was a really awesome, experienced guy. Um, and so he said that that was he not only helped the people that he was mentoring, but for him, it definitely lifts his spirits up enough to where it just drove him forward in his job search. And he eventually got a really awesome job. So, And, you know, somebody who was talking to him, if he went and told him that, they're going to be really excited about that because that's going to be somebody who's going to continue to build capabilities in my organization. So it was a win-win because he could really sell that in a resume exactly. in, a, in an interview. Interview. Yeah. 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 I love that. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Chris Holmes, you have been fantastic. I want to hear about this book because that always excites me, but go ahead and tell me. All right. So just launched a book two weeks ago called Ignite Your Career, Strategies and Tactics to Unleash Your Potential. And it is for the college student, the college grad, the young professional, the grad student, or the career change. And I am so excited about this book. When I read business books, I can't do dense. I love books that are relatable and have stories in them, but actually have actionable steps I can take following reading them. And that's how I wrote this book. So the upfront part is all about how to think about your career. We covered chapter one, which is strength, why they're so important and how and why you want to leverage them. Then we have phases of your career and what you want to do in each phase, why culture is so critical, because if it's not a culture fit, you're going to feel like you're in the wrong family and why you always have to think long term when you're making decisions, because otherwise your ego can drive you to take a bigger title and a bigger job, which has you completely on the wrong path. So that's the upfront part. The back half is all the tech, how to write a killer resume, how and why to network how to do interview prep, how to negotiate, and how to resign positively. So it's all those things that are critical as you're going through your job search. And it's a really easy read. 
In fact, somebody, one of the biggest compliments I got was somebody said, this is shocking, but it was a page turn. Yeah. But I mean, how often do you hear career books described as page turner like that? I think that's awesome because I think people get, you know, people get often very dry in these books. And just to, to, to hear from you, like the excitement, even you're talking about in this podcast, it's like, I know this is going to be a good book. So yeah. And then on top of that, Chris, the other thing we've done is we have built a website and are now offering services to those in need. And so the website for that is igniteyourcareerbook.com. And there you can buy the book, but you can also evaluate and see our services. We have complete coaching. We have resume writing, interview prep, and negotiation for when you get a job on your own, but you don't really know how to negotiate well. You want somebody in your corner. So we're really excited about that as well, offering these services to the marketplace, because I think there is a real need. Awesome. I want to ask, just going back to the book there, why did you write the book? What was the inspiration? About 15 years ago, I started going to Washington University here in St. Louis, great school, and working with their MBA students and going and doing interview prep and networking. I've done it with consortium. And first of all, I found out I love doing that and presenting, but I also saw, despite the fact that WashU has an amazing career center, that the kids were hungry for the information. So that combined with the fact that I have three children of my own who have either gone through college or are currently in college, have gone to top liberal arts schools where they have great career centers. I've gone there and done similar sessions. And again, the kids have been so excited. And I only have so many hours in the day. So I can only talk to so many people and guide them and help through this. So I wanted to reach a larger audience. The other thing, Chris, that truthfully happened is when my baby went to college two years ago, it threw me for a loop. And at that point, I decided I wanted to work with a personal coach to figure out what's next and how do I stay inspired. And through that, it came out that It's like, you're talking about this book. You've been thinking about it for 15 years. What's holding you back? You're not getting any younger. So he kind of gave me the kick in the pants to realize I wanted to leave a legacy. And I wanted, I felt like there was so much value in this information that I have been sharing with people for 25 years. And the book was the best way to bring that to market. And then the silver lining with everything going on is I was really able to go hand, you know, head down to get the book out as quickly as possible because I don't think there's ever been more important time to get it out. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Like, especially in this time where there are so many people going through a transition themselves right now, so many people looking for jobs. And I get it. I think the work that you're doing is just really, really important. And this, the message on this podcast specifically is just fantastic. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I'll make sure to drop the links that you mentioned, including your website, including the book in the description so listeners can see it and uh, check it out. Well, I have loved being on the show and talking to you. Very exciting. And you do a great job. Thank you so much, Chris. Awesome. Have a good day. Take care. Perfect. So this, ladies and gentlemen, concludes episode 163 of the Career Warrior podcast. Really, really enjoyed getting into this one. It was more of a deep topic because we just like to cover that kind of stuff here on the podcast. What are your strengths? Really, I mean, ask yourself, what do you think your strengths are and how you can apply them to your career? 
I invite you to really go back and make some lists, at least as a start, if that's something that's easier for you to do. And I'll also make sure to include the bullet points that were mentioned in today's episode as well. So you can review the list that Chris came up with for how to figure out your strengths. I just think it's so important. I will also, of course, make sure to include Chris's website and her new book that just came out, as well as any other helpful podcast episodes that can help you in your journey here. My name is Chris Villanueva. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.